0: So, good afternoon. It's very nice to see you all. That's lovely, in fact. Um, Now, this whole series that we've been doing, we're doing a series, aren't we, on the Beatitudes. And today, we are doing... John's going to put a little slide up for us. There we go. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I'm sure you all knew that anyway, because you obviously read ahead and think, oh, what are we doing this week? Excitedly, I'm sure. And you probably do your own research, I know. Now, I think that this whole series could be renamed. And I think it should be renamed, "Reeducating Sarah, really, because it's, for me, it's like I've gone back to school. Um, I don't know about anybody else. So I think this whole series is designed by James to make me learn some things. <laughs> I think that's what happens. So basically every week when I've been preaching, what happens is I look at the beatitude in question and I go, oh, I think I know what that means. And then I go away and I read something and I go, no, I was wrong. Wrong again. Um, And that is what happens. And there's no difference this week, none whatsoever. So here we are again, same formula as always. (laughs) What did I think mercy meant? Well, you see, I thought mercy, I thought that's an obvious one. We all know what mercy is, don't we? I thought mercy, it's like, you know, when I was little, um, I had a, had a big brother, I still do, um, and he used to, you know, hold my arm behind my back all the time, you know, that kind of thing? Um, and it really hurt until I pleaded for mercy. And I had to plead for mercy for him to let go of my arm and finally like, oh, so that was mercy, that's mercy, right? Is that what I think God's mercy is? No. No, that is not what I think God's mercy is, I'm pleased to say. But I thought, well, it's sort of like a forgiveness, isn't it? It's like a letting, letting somebody off, letting somebody off an offense, maybe. That's what mercy is. I thought, yeah, that's okay, I've got it. But maybe, of course, maybe it's broader than that. Um, and actually, I think that Jesus spent some time kind of explaining what mercy is to us. You'll be pleased to know. Um, And so I had a little look, I had a little read of some different things, and I found that there's a whole chapter in the Gospel of Luke, my favorite gospel. Um, So there's a whole chapter in it that has been nicknamed, not yet, John, he's too keen, he's giving giving away hints there. Um, There's a whole chapter that is nicknamed the chapter of mercy, and it is Luke 15, and it's got three parables in that one. And it's got parables that are very well known to us, I'm sure. It's got the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. And they are parables that we know and love quite well, but they are parables that tell us about what mercy looks like. They're parables that explain the mercy of God to us. And so what we're going to do as we explore the topic of mercy is we are going to have a little look at that first one. So we're going to look at the lost sheep together. And you can put it on now, John. And Shane is going to come and read this for us. And Shane is indeed the best dressed in the church. Look at him. Gosh, he's good, isn't he? And so Shane is going to read this for us. Thanks, Shane.
1: Then Jesus told them this parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep of and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep Un- until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Shane. Do you know, he volunteered to read that as well. He read this morning and he said, can I read this afternoon? I said, oh, go on. And he's dressed up for it and everything. So thank you, Shane. He is too good. He's going to be preaching next. Next week, Shane, you're on. (laughs) Now, I wonder if you've ever related to that feeling, like in the parable of being a lost sheep, if you've related to being an outsider, like being an outsider, I think I have. Now, before I was ordained, before I did this, I've had six other jobs. I know I don't look old enough, of course I don't, um, but I have. <laughs> Thanks, Tay. Um, <laughs> and so one of my jobs, my third job, um, it was at Worcester Bosch. If you're from Worcester, there's, it's like a rite of passage to work at Worcester Bosch, you have to. Um, and I worked in the metal pressing department, which is, <laughs> unexpected, I would imagine, for me. It wasn't ideal. Um, I had to start at six in the morning and I worked until two in the afternoon. It was not my ideal job by any means whatsoever. In fact, you know, I was working with heavy machinery and big, big slabs of metal and rivet guns and I, I was in the accident book more than any other book, I think. Um, <laughs> I had to go to A&E at like 6.30 in the morning because I'd riveted my finger, oh my gosh, ridiculous. Um, It's not a job I should have ever been in and I don't know why I was trusted with heavy machinery but I was in a department full of men um, and I was the only woman there and they were all quite older than me, I I think I was 18, like I was was quite young and it was just a department full of men and me. And I stuck out like a sore thumb. This was not a place where I fit in at all. And um, we had to work for 90 minutes, and then you had a 10-minute break, and then 90 minutes and a 10-minute break. And we had a 20-minute break at lunchtime, but we weren't allowed to leave the site, so we had to stay there the whole time. So my breaks consisted of sitting in the canteen by myself, um, and I'd get hot chocolate and a toffee crisp and just sit there looking a bit miserable, to be honest. Yeah, it's funny isn't it? He's um, just laughing at my misery. Um, and there were some guys that worked in logistics. They, we didn't really chat, but they walked past me every day, sat at my table by myself, and they started calling me Smiler because I looked so miserable. They're like, all right Smiler, all the time. Um, but I was just a total outsider in this place. Like I did not fit in at all, by any means. I don't know why I was there. It was very silly on reflection. Um, but that experience, like, I felt quite uncomfortable, really, most of the time. I was glad when I was going home at 2 in the afternoon. Anyway, um, I was glad, like, when every single day it was over. And I think, at best, the experience of being an outsider is uncomfortable. But I think, at worst, like, being an outsider is so awful it can be really isolating it can be soul destroying you know there are people in this church who have moved to the uk from a different country and this is english isn't their first language and actually that must be so difficult can you imagine coming over here and it's a different culture and you don't know anybody and it's a difficult language can you imagine how alienating that must feel ali can he's nodding he is nodding but it must be soul-destroying. It is so isolating. And I think that what this parable teaches us, I think it's teaching us that mercy isn't just letting somebody off. It's not just forgiving somebody, but it's actually about reaching out to people. It's actually about reaching out, going out of your way and reaching people. Now, the parable is about God's mercy to us. And the context of it is that Jesus has just been criticized, as usual in the Gospel of Luke, he's just been criticized for eating with the wrong people. He's been eating with sinners and tax collectors, and he has been criticized for that again. And that's his response to tell this parable. That is his response to that. And he's obviously comparing um, the people that he's been eating with to the lost sheep. And what he's saying is he doesn't look at them and think they're a lost cause. He doesn't look at them and go, I'm not going to bother with them. They're a lost cause, they've gone. And he's not not kind of looking at the 99 and going, do you know what, I'm quite happy here, that's fine. One's gone, but these these guys are good here, I'll stick with them. He's not doing that at all. He's actively going out and searching for that one that is lost. And I wonder what that lost one is lost for. I wonder if if he's lost in error. Have you ever been lost by mistake? Kate, Kate's laughing, she's lost all the time. <laughs> but I, like when, I, when I was very, very small, my, um, my brother and my parents used to play uh, ball games out in the fields and I was an unusual child, as you can imagine. And, you know, if, they were like, if there was a football pitch and there were lines of the football pitch, what I used to do is I had a little cricket bat and I used to hold... We, this is before mobile phones, so I was very prophetic. I used to hold it to my face like this, talking into it, and walk the length of the lines of the pitch. So i would never looking back. And so I used to do that just by myself. That's the kind of person I was. Um, and when I'd finally get to the end of the line, I'd, I'd like, just do a... <laughs> Carry on but I would turn around at times and I couldn't see my family anymore because I just walked off like I was lost by mistake Just not focusing on them focusing on walking on the line, but I was lost by mistake Sometimes I think people are lost just by mistake. They don't realize they've got distracted and they're lost I think sometimes people actively wander off and choose a different way Some of us have done that I'm sure when I was um, on my path to ordination, you have to go to see the bishop. You have to go for a sponsoring interview. <laughs> Yours was good, wasn't it? No. Nope. <laughs> um, and so the bishop has to sponsor you before you were allowed to go to panel to get, hopefully get ordained. And um, in that, you have to send a lot of paperwork to him beforehand. And he'd said to me, I've seen all your paperwork and I've read your life story and there's a lot of amazing things in there, but you're missing out two to three years. There's a two to three year gap in there. What happened? And I, I said, nothing much. And, um, and he kind of pushed harder. And I thought, oh dear, I'm going to have to answer this. Um, and I said, well, in that two to three years, I, I left the church actually. And um, I, I had a relationship with somebody that was quite a toxic relationship. It wasn't very good for me. Um, and, you know, I drank a lot and I smoked a lot, Necess- not necessarily all legal, I have to say. And it was like, you know, a few years of my life that were just a bit not great, or not, I mean, I couldn't believe I was telling a bishop this, but anyway, I was. Um, and he made me add it into my paperwork, so there you go. It was in there, and he still ordained me, so there we go. Um, But I think sometimes people actively wander off, don't they? They wander off on purpose. They think they go their own way, as Fleetwood Mac said. They choose a different way. And sometimes I think it's people that are wounded. It's people that are scared. It's people that have really messed up. We all qualify as that lost sheep if we're in those categories. It's not just one type of person. And I think what it says is mercy isn't like this passive sympathy. It's not this just feeling of, oh, that must be really difficult. And it's not just a letting off. It's not just letting somebody off their offences. But in fact, mercy reaches out. Mercy reaches out. It actively reaches out to that lost person, to that lost sheep. Mercy meets the needs of that person. You know, in, in the parable, it says that he puts the sheep on his shoulders. And I think I've, I read that when sheep get lost, they can get so scared that they're frozen. They can't move when they're found because they're so scared or wounded. And so often they have to be carried. And so when he puts it on his shoulders, he's meeting the needs of that sheep. And I think this is part of mercy to meet the needs of the people that we reach out to, to offer forgiveness to offer acceptance, and to welcome back in. You know, it says when he found the sheep, he rang. Well, he didn't ring, they didn't have a phone. But, um, I know. Um, but he told all of his neighbors, all of his friends, his family, that he's found his sheep, and they celebrate. They celebrate. Mercy celebrates. It welcomes people back in. And mercy goes out the way to do all of that. It's a definite action, it's not just a feeling, it's not just uh, an emotion, but mercy is a definite action, and it's a hallmark of the kingdom. And that's the mercy that we know that God has shown each of us, it's, and goes on showing us throughout our lives. That's the mercy that we know. Do you know, in that two to three years that I was out of church, um, I'd told God, I said, I'm done with you. I'm leaving church, that is it, and (laughs) off I went, Um, but God did not leave me alone, like that boyfriend I had, he had a sister who just moved back to Worcester, and um, she was a Christian, and she was looking for a new church, of course she was, and she ended up going to the church that I used to go to, she wanted me to go with her, I took her once just to introduce her goodness me, but these Christians, they don't get off your back, and she was like a proper Christian, oh my life, she didn't hear the end of it, like she didn't leave me alone, she decided she was my friend and that was it, Um, and like I had dreams, like God would speak to me in dreams, and it became a real effort actually to ignore him, but during that two to three years, like God chased me with mercy, the mercy of God just reached out to me over and over and over again. And I think that that's what we are called to do. We are called to offer that same mercy, that same all-encompassing compassion to people around us. It's a, it goes beyond a feeling and it moves us to action. It moves us to reach out to others, to offer forgiveness to others, to offer forgiveness to those who need forgiveness, to offer acceptance to people, to offer welcome to celebrate that they're here, to meet their needs. It's not just about offering mercy to those who are already in our path, but it is about actively going and looking for people, looking for the outsider so that we can extend mercy to them, so that we can extend God's mercy to them. And so we're going to respond in a minute, we're going to have a song of worship, but while we do that, we're going to, we can sit and reflect quietly if you'd like to, you can join in singing if you'd like to, but we are also going to offer some prayer ministry today, actually. So. Caleb and I, we will both have some oil and we would be very happy to um, bless you with that oil and to pray for you. And I think there might be two different things. Um, There might be people who just feel like they need to know God's mercy for themselves today. And actually, that's a really important thing. If that's you, we would absolutely love to pray for you so that you will know that God stretches out to you, reaches out to you, so that you can have that mercy and know it. And then I think there are others that would desperately like to reach out to others in mercy. And maybe you don't know how to. Maybe you don't know who to reach out to. But actually maybe you just value somebody standing with you and praying for that. So I'm going to pray for us now. And then Dave and the band are going to lead us in that song. And we'll offer prayer ministry during that. So Father, we thank you for your mercy to us. We pray that we would know more of that mercy in our lives. And Jesus, as we know more of it, may we extend it to others. May we reach out to the outsider. Would you help us to meet their needs and to welcome them and to extend your mercy.